so wonderful to see you today, and thanks for being here this morning. It's always an encouragement to see you here today, and we're so glad that you've joined us this morning. This morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Psalm chapter 51. And if you're familiar with Psalm 51, then you know that Psalm 51 comes out of uh, a rough situation, a bad situation, a situation that was uh, really was just heartbreaking in so many different ways. And that's the story of, of David's fall into sin. And what happened as David was king and he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then went as far to order his or her husband to be sent to the front lines of battle where he knew that he would be killed. All of that led to a downfall of David as one who was anointed by the Lord but had committed a sin that left him in a desperate place, a place of of bitterness, a place of, oh my goodness, what is going on in my life? A place that led him to do something that probably he thought was unthinkable from previous days. And out of that situation, we get this prayer here in Psalm 51. And this psalm comes after Nathan, the prophet, comes to David and he points out to him. He tells him the parable about uh, or tells him a story about a sheep and gives him this uh, situation before him. And David, after hearing it, which we won't get into the full depths of that, after hearing it, realizes that, oh, my goodness, that's me. I'm the person that did that. I'm in desperate need. I'm the one. I've done this. I need God's forgiveness. And what it brought David to was the deep place of, I need the Lord to help me. I messed up and I need God's grace. Isn't it wonderful to know here today that no matter how bad things get in life, no matter how much of a mistake we mess up, that the word of God is full of accounts of people who made terrible mistakes, but yet God was abundant in mercy, abundant in mercy. That God made available for you and I the ability that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For our sins to be completely washed away. And that even if you're like David and you serve the Lord with all of your heart and gave your life to the fullness of, of his purposes and plans. But somehow something came along, tripped you up and made you fall into a place of sin. There is still forgiveness available. That isn't to say that you and I are to just abuse, the Bible says, the grace of God. That we are to just live lives continually. No, we are to strive to be imitators of Christ. And David establishes that really in this prayer that he prays here in Psalm 51. And that's what we see. It's this long prayer. And his prayer starts with this simple Plea for help. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And we're going to read some uh, verses here in this prayer today to help us understand the work of restoration and what happens when you are in a place that is uh, or full of sin and wickedness like David did. But yet there is what 
God does in David's life, restoration. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is restoration. One of the things that I've uh, enjoyed over time in my life is I love watching those shows on TV sometimes that uh, you see these guys uh, that will go into, uh, maybe they go into a junkyard or they go someplace and they're, they're digging through stuff and they happen to come across this classic car. And this thing is full of rust. I mean, it just looks like you could kick the door and put a hole right through it. It's so full of rust. But somehow these guys will pull this thing out and they'll take it back to this shop where they put a lot of love into it and care. And somehow they'll get it down to the place. And even if it means taking that rusty door off and replacing it with new fabricated metal or whatever it is, finding a new engine, whatever, there is this amazing process to be able to see something that was an absolute state of ruins and to come back to life again. And it's really the same way in a spiritual life that God has a work of restoration that he does in all of us, that he wants to do in all of us, that if we have been in the place of sin, which we all have been, but even if we go and we live a life, but yet we fall somehow, it's possible to stumble. It's possible. Paul asked that to the believers in the early church. He said, what, what hindered you? What caused you to stumble? What caused you to be tripped up to speak? And this word that the Bible uses here when talking about uh, being uh, tripped up is like the, it was the word that the Colosseum used. That when people were running around the Colosseum and they were running a race, that they would begin to run and run and run. And there were these people who were designated in places around the Colosseum with javelins. And they would use these javelins to throw and try to trip those who were running around the, the place of where the Colosseum was. And so therefore, this is this thought of you are running a race strong, but something was thrown in your path and caused you to trip up and stumble. And this is where we get this Greek understanding of what it means to be tripped up, to be uh, put something in our path and fall, but yet there is still grace to get back up. The enemy would love us to think, as perhaps David might have thought at some point in his stumbling, is that I have fallen so hard, there is no way out for me. I have done something so terrible that there is nothing that can help me now. But the amazing thing about God's grace is that it doesn't matter how far, how far, how hard, whatever desperate situation it might be, God's mercy and grace is not limited where it cannot reach those deep places where we think that his grace is, is kept from. God's mercy and grace is abundant and is wonderful and is available to any who will call upon him in the day of trouble. His grace is not restricted for just those who commit certain sins for this place or that place. No, God's grace is available to any and all. And when God's word is a forgiveness for all, we, you and I must also understand that what you and I might perceive to be a terrible sin does not mean that God is willing to forgive that person. Looking at someone and saying, oh, they've really, no, that's not our place. God's grace and mercy is 
wonderful. And so what does the work of restoration look like? How does it begin? And the work of restoration is still ongoing in all of us, and it's a prayer for us. I find myself coming back to this prayer, this psalm, often in my life because I find that it helps calibrate me. You know what calibrate means, right? It helps me to get the right perspective again. If I've gone a while and I've thought, Lord, I, I don't, if I've kind of got this sense of independence of God's grace, this helps get me back to the place that says, no, God, I need you today. I need what, what David's praying here for. You've given us as a model. And so we're going to look at a few things about restoration. Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. You're going to see David use this word here, spirit. He talks about put this type of, put a new and right spirit. He's going to mention it a few times. And this is what we're going to talk about is the type of spirit that God is looking for in a person who is being restored. And David outlines it here for us. And we're going to look at those. And we see here, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners, watch this, he says, will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. David is praying specifically of the sin he committed. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken, uncontrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We see in the beginning parts of this <coughs> that David acknowledges his sin. And this is important because before you can ever get to the first place of praying for what David says is a new spirit, he first, we first have to acknowledge, I have sinned, I have messed up. Every sinner that is going to turn away from their sin has to realize they're a sinner, right? If we're ever going to walk away from the old, then we have to realize there is an old. And that's what David does, is he begins to lay it all out. And you can read that sometime in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 9. He lays all of these sins out, all of these transgressions. He acknowledges, I am a sinner. I have messed up. All of these things, apart from you, God, I am lost. All of the possible confessions. And we know this to be reiterated in the New Testament as well, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we're in need of God's mercy towards us, God's grace that he's willing to give, but yet we don't deserve. Every person here is in need of it. And that's what David acknowledges. Have mercy on me, God. I, am a, I know my transgressions. I look at them. I see them. My sin is before me. I realize it after Nathan came alongside of him and opened up his eyes so that he could see. Isn't it wonderful to know that a friend will come alongside of you and sometimes help you to realize your own flaw? Isn't that the type of friend we all need? He says, indeed, I was born guilty. I was born guilty, a sinner. And then he begins to pray. The, he's, he notes four things about how he needs to be restored. And the first thing he says there in verse 10 Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new spirit within me. Put a new 
spirit within me. Being restored is coming back to the place of newness. If you and I were going to look at a classic car, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, and you saw it driving down the road, but yet it looked like it just came out of the junkyard. It was all rusted up. You would think it's not finished yet. It's incomplete. Something's missing. It's, it's still got a taste of the old. And that's why David, when he's talking here, he says, created me a clean heart, O God. Because what God does in restoration is creation. And he is ridding the old and creating the new. And that is the beautiful work of restoration. Is he takes what was absolutely filthy, he gets rid of it, and he, through his powerful work of creation, puts a newness inside of all of us. As the Bible teaches us that he has wrote his new covenant on our heart. There is a sense that I am no longer a part of the old. The old has been abandoned. It's the former life. It's the way I used to live. It's the way I used to be. And if you are new, then that means you no longer have to be worried about the old because it's not you anymore. It's the old. It, you are a new creation, the Bible says. It requires abandoning the former, and it's a freedom from the old. It would be one thing, if David prayed all of this, but he did not pray this. Because it would not acknowledge the true nature of his sin. That he absolutely messed up. That he made a flaw all before the people. They could obviously see it. And it was realizing, Lord, I don't want to be that again. And the thing about sin is, is that you and I, the work of repentance is being able to do a 180 on sin. Which means that I look at Jesus, that I'm looking at sin and repentance is the work of no longer looking at sin anymore, but turning and looking at Jesus. It's behind me and I'm moving away from it. That's the work of repentance. And it's a newness that God does inside of all of us. And it is clean. There's something about clean that makes you think it's new, right? That's the thing about a classic car. When you restore it and you go through all of that and you see it and it's like the sun is hitting it from the side and it's like, you know, put your eye out. The sun is just glaring off of it. It looks clean. It's, that's the way God intended us to be is that God does not want us to live a life saturated by the filth of sin. God's better than that. God's greater than that, that he desires you and I to be free from it. To be free of living in that type of way. So create a new spirit within me. All of us here today, we pray. Lord, help us have a new spirit. The second thing David begins to pray in restoration is he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. A right spirit within me. Now, that doesn't mean... Uh, the type of spirit that is arrogant. I'm right all the time and everybody else is wrong. That's not what David's praying. That would be contradictory to this prayer. It's not even in the sense of, uh, uh, it, it really what David is saying. In some translations use this word, and I think is a better uh, a word to help us understand what David is saying, is put a new and steadfast spirit within me. Steadfast. 
The Bible teaches us that Jesus teaches a parable about those who established their house upon the sand. And when those people came and the storm came, what happened to that house? It washed away. But the one who established their house on a solid foundation, when the storm came and life came and all the problems came, it was established on a firm foundation. And guess where that house was still at? It was right where it was built in the first place. And this is what David is saying. Establish a steadfast spirit within me. A security of, of maybe is another word to help us. A place of being able to say, Lord, I want a steadfast spirit. I want to be established in such a way that when the javelin is thrown in front of me again, I am on solid ground. I'm not on the shaky ground of my own thoughts and my own ways. I am on the firm foundation of you, Lord. And it doesn't matter what tricks the enemy might come. And it doesn't matter what the, whatever may happen around me. As long as I stay planted on the firm foundation, who is Jesus? Life can come. Sin, temptation can come before me. But as long as I am established there, I know I am secure in the grace that Jesus is going to give me. And that's what God wants for all of us, is to be established steadfast, steadfastness. This is one of the things that our world is struggling with. Our world is wrestling with this. Uh, we we're building houses on sandy, on sandy ground. And it's like we fall and we keep building it back on sand, on our own thoughts, on our own ways, and our own efforts. And we just discover, we get this house built up, a life comes along, and that house falls right back down again. But we have to get to the point where we acknowledge my own efforts, all of that is never going to save me. None of that is going to rescue me. The only thing that is going to keep me steadfast when temptation comes, when life comes, when hard times come, is the secureness that comes from knowing I am planted in Jesus. And that alone is enough for me. That's why David, he began to pray, Lord, give me a steadfast spirit. Steadfast spirit. A steadfast spirit. In such a way, that when life is going to go and the kingdom was going to continue going on, no, Lord, help me to stay planted in you. Doesn't matter what the enemy wants to throw at me. As long as I'm planted in you, that's enough. A steadfast spirit. All of us, we need a steadfast spirit. The third thing we see David begin to pray is he says this in verse 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. A willing spirit. This is an interesting word here because it's a word that really, it's almost as if it should be translated like offering. Like sustain in me a generous spirit, a willing spirit. Sustain in me a spirit that is willing to surrender myself. Maybe it could be said that way. And this is the idea that it means to be generous of oneself. Generous of oneself. A word that we use a lot that really encompasses that definition is surrender. Sustain in me a willing spirit. Sustain in me the ability to be surrendered to you always. Sustain in me the efforts, not of my own grace, but the efforts of your grace to stay constantly surrendered to Jesus. When David was going about his sin, the moment that he partook of the temptation, 
that he opened up the door was the moment that he stopped giving himself fully and surrendered to the Lord and instead gave himself partly into the sin and partly to the Lord. He was half and half. And then eventually it was a slippery slope from there. The thing that makes a difference in a restoration is that you cannot be willing to be restored and come back to the Lord halfway. You have to be willing to say, all of myself I give to Jesus. All that I have to offer, I'm giving it to the Lord. The way that I think, I'm giving it to the Lord. The way that I do life, I'm giving it to the Lord. My career, I'm giving it to the Lord. My finances, I'm giving it to the Lord. It is every bit of oneself being placed into the hands of the Lord. It is generous of oneself. Why does God ask for that? Why does God say, if we're going to be restored, that we must come in full surrender? Because a heart that is not in full surrender is surrendered to something else. And that is the problem, and that was the problem with David, was that his heart was not fully committed to the Lord. And his heart was slippering here and there and everywhere, and idols had come before the Lord, and so there was the problem. But when you're living in full surrender, when everything is in the hands of the Lord, you know, no, it's okay. It's all in God's hands. Life is going to get difficult. Temptations are going to come. But my life, I give it all to the Lord. I'm surrendering every bit of myself to Him. And so therefore, I can trust He's going to take care of it. He's going to work it out. He's going to sustain me. And that's what David prayed. Pray for to be sustained in a willing spirit. How many of you know it's not easy to surrender every day? It's not easy. Every day, we have to wake up, surrender ourselves. Every day, this is what David realized, was that maybe he went a day and didn't fully surrender himself and say, Lord, today I need your help. Lord, today I need your grace. And so his prayer was, not just give me a willing spirit, but sustain in me a willing spirit. That tomorrow, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, when I'm not around the believers and I'm all by myself, Lord, sustain in me a willing spirit. A spirit that says, Lord, I am going to give myself to you a hundred percent. All the time, every day. And may this be a guide for us to pray in our spiritual lives. Is Lord, sustain in me a willing spirit. Notice here that when David prays for a willing spirit, he combines this sentence with something else. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. You cannot fully give yourself to the Lord and not have the joy of the Lord present in your life. And that's the wonderful realization for any person who gives their life to Jesus is that it, we are not promised a perfect life, but we are promised the joy of the Lord, that God's freshness and love pouring over us and giving us the grace to live the life that we've been called to live. And that is what all of us need is when you are giving yourself completely to the Lord, when I'm waking up tomorrow and giving myself completely to the Lord, it is a wonderful thing to know that God also wants me to have the joy to do it. To have the joy to live for him. The joy to wake up and say, God, today it is my joy to surrender myself today. There is no greater joy for me than to give all that I have to you, every bit that I am, to Jesus. Lord, sustain in me a willing spirit. The fourth thing that David prays for here is he begins to go and he begins to talk about sacrifice. And this is a, a, an interesting prayer because here they are in a time where the, the tabernacle, the temple, and there's this thought about sacrifice is really forefront in everybody's mind. 
But David says this, you have no delight in sacrifice. This tells me something about David. You have no delight in sacrifice. Is that David understood something about the Lord that maybe he forgot and that he needed to be reminded of was that God was not interested in what people were doing for him. It was he was more interested in their heart. And David understood this because if you remember in 1 Samuel 17, when Samuel was looking to who to anoint to be king, the Lord spoke to him. The word came. Man looks on the outward appearance, but where does God look? At the heart. This came back to David here. The Lord has no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give you a burnt offering, guess what? You're not going to be pleased. Why? Because the sacrifice that is acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. We might read that and we think, wow, that sounds, I don't know, that's it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. God is looking for a broken spirit. But you have to remember, this isn't a day and age where leaders of cities and empires, kings and kingdoms, the stories of Pharaoh were being told how they had a hard heart. And anytime it was mentioned about somebody who had a hard heart, it was, was recognized that that person cannot hear from the Lord. That person has become so wrapped up in themselves and in their pride that they have got to the place where they themselves think they are God. That's what happened to Pharaoh. That's eventually what happened to Saul. His heart became hard. And David recognized that. That what is really pleasing to the Lord is not a hard heart. God's not interested in that. He's not interested in pride. What is acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A heart that comes before him and though it has the fragments of the old and what used to be hardness, but is broken in the sense that it realizes its place of wickedness and is poured out before him. All of those shattered pieces laying at the feet of Jesus. And he goes on to say a broken and contrite heart, a broken and repentive heart, oh God, you will not despise. What God is looking for in anything that is going to be restored, anyone that is going to be restored into him, is a broken spirit. A spirit that is softened. A spirit that is willing to acknowledge, I don't need what was old. I need God's grace that is available now. I'm not going to be hard to the Lord, what God is saying to me. I'm not going to have a stone heart that God can't pierce through and speak to. I'm going to have a broken spirit. The thing about a hard heart that is dangerous is a hard heart can't hear the voice of the Lord. A hard heart can't listen. A hard heart is disobedient. A hard heart won't listen to instruction. A hard heart won't even listen to Nathan, the prophet, that comes along and says, listen, brother, there's something wrong in your life. You need to pay attention. But a broken spirit, a continual broken spirit, that's somebody who says, Lord, give me an ear to hear. Help me to always be listening. Lord, if there's something wrong in my life that I need to repent of, if there's some place in sin in my life that is hidden deep down within and I've resisted you, oh God, help me to have a broken spirit. A broken spirit is open to what we call the work of conviction. And conviction and condemnation are two different things, but we get them confused a lot. 
Condemnation is, let me put you down because of your sin. And conviction is, let me help you get out of your sin. And it's a difference because what God wants for us is the best. God created us to be new creations, not the filth of the old. God created us to be renewed away from the old and brought into the fullness of creation that glorifies him. So therefore, what God wants to do is to keep working in our heart a sensitivity that will say, Lord, if I begin to veer to the left and it's not of you, if I begin to go to the right and it's not of you, God, help me to have an ear that was a broken spirit that will say, God, I'm sorry. Keep me going forward for you. I would rather have a broken spirit than a hard heart any day. It's more dangerous to live in a place of hardness than it is in brokenness. And the thing about a broken spirit is God can work with a broken spirit. God can do something with that. And he goes on to say that a broken and contrite heart, that word contrite, repentive, a a heart that realizes, a heart that realizes that there is sin in my life. Oh God, you will not despise. Verse 18. Do good to Zion and in your good pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in whole burnt offerings. And then bulls will be offered on your altar. You, if you're reading that and you just read the previous verses, it almost sounds contradictory. But watch what David says, that when my heart is in the right place and I have the broken spirit and I have the place of where I'm supposed to be, I have the new spirit, I have a right spirit and I have a willing spirit and a broken spirit, then, then what I do for the Lord will then mean something for the Lord. And there's a lot of times that we get it backwards, that we try to do for the Lord and it's the opposite way on the inside. We're trying to compensate for the mess that's on the inside. But David understood that if I'm going to do anything that's going to matter for the Lord, it's first got to start within the inside. It's first got to be a heart that realizes I'm in sin and I need God's grace. And that's a heart that God can use. Then, he says, you will delight in the right sacrifices because they're not offered from the heart that is in the wrong place. And in the burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings and etc. Thank God we don't do all that today, right? The blood of Jesus covered it all for you and I. Musicians are going to come. The amazing thing about the story of David's sin is... David realized the power of repentance. David realized that you can be in a place of utter despair and call upon the name of the Lord and he will rescue you. But David also realized that just because there is repentance doesn't mean that we are without void to the consequences that we committed in the old life. And that was the problem with David, was that his life can went to continue to go on, but the consequences from what had happened in his previous life were still with him in his present. But yet God continued to sustain him. God continued to carry him. God continued to watch over him. And God continued to put a new, steadfast, willing, and broken spirit within him. As a matter of fact, the wonderful thing about David's story is that there's a lot of kings. You're gonna, you can read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. You can read the stories of all of these kings. And the Bible goes on to mention whether their heart was after the Lord or whether their heart was after wickedness. And the thing that we're recorded about David went a little step further than that. 
The Bible tells us later on in the New Testament, actually, that David was a man after God's heart. That he realized, yes, I have messed up. Yes, I have done something terrible. But he realized where God's heart was at and that to be restored meant coming in repentance, seeking his face. And you and I today are not reading the story of David, the man who messed up and didn't come back to the Lord. David, the man who tripped and lost the race. No, today you and I are reading the story of David, a man who stumbled and fell, but God's grace picked him up and carried him. And it's a story God wants to write for every person here today is that no matter what you have come from and whatever life, all the past that's behind us, it's the past. Today's the day of salvation. Always today is the day of turning point. We stand in the moment of beholding the past and looking to the future. And today is always the day of a choice. Whether tomorrow is today or Tuesday's today, whatever day it is, it is always the day of choice. The choice whether today I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, or I'm going to keep carrying on yesterday into tomorrow. How are we going to live for the Lord today? You need the grace of God in your life. You need to be restored. All of us here today, these are prayers, whether we've just come to the Lord or whether we've been believers for many years, prayers that we need to pray. God, give us a new spirit. Give us a steadfast spirit. Give us a willing spirit, broken spirit. Will you stand with me if you're able? morning if you would just take a moment with me can we all just take a moment and search our hearts every eye closed my friend today you're here and you think how in the world could God love me listen can I just tell you something today don't let the enemy distort your thinking like that God has already loved you God is continuing to love you and his mercy and grace is available for you Psalm 50 tells us, call on me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you. You need God's forgiveness today? Call his name. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your grace in my life. You need help getting out of the sin that you're in and you think, Lord, I just keep messing up, messing up. Uh, let's establish today, Lord, I don't want to build my life on sand, the sand of my own efforts. I want to establish my life on steadfast foundation that is you, Lord. God, help me today. God, give me a right spirit. Give me a broken spirit, a willing spirit. Lord, sustain in me a steadfast spirit. Help us today. Just all today, can we search our hearts? Lord, look within me today, God. Help me, Father. Renew me, Jesus. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. This morning you need prayer. Can I invite you to come forward as the choir comes? We want to stand with you today. If you're struggling with something in your life, you need prayer this morning, please come. If you're in need of prayer for some other situation, please come today. Lord, this morning we come to you, Lord, today. And we give you our hearts, Jesus. Lord, you're not concerned about the things that we do as much as who we are for you. Lord, today we pray this morning, create in me, oh God, a new spirit, a right spirit, a 
a steadfast spirit. Lord, today help me to have the joy that I once had for serving you. Lord, maybe something happened and I lost it, whatever it might be. Lord, today, let it be restored, Jesus. Lord, today we pray for the power of restoration to you, the one who creates. God, would you take the old and would you craft it and create the new today, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. We give you our lives today. Lord, help none of us here this morning today to have a hard heart. But God, help us to have a broken spirit before you, Lord. Willing to listen, willing to say, yes, Lord, transform me, convict me, show me where I need to be changed. Lord, help us. Lord, may we continually be sanctified and to the image of Jesus as you're working through us, Lord. remember today a broken and contrite heart God will not despise you call to him he will welcome it you lift your voice to him he will hear you call to him this morning any prayer please come and some others we're going to gather around those